You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Hello and welcome to Elsers, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Chris Osborne with our special guest, Sean Burns, who is finally on a show with, with Chris. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you today? I'm doing I, pretty good. I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> I had the well, idea. We're excited to have you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for all of you on this show, including show notes and subscription links, you can go to elsners.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, you can go to gncast.com. And as a warning on Elsners, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. Um, yeah, so I joke around with that because um, I do Okay, I do think, and I will have to go check the record books, but Chris, you are our quickest returning guest after, what, well, that makes three you feel weeks? Special. Yeah. After what, like three weeks or so, you Something are, like that. yeah. Um, and also, I should say thank you, Chris, for coming such late notice. Um, we were originally supposed to have um a guest for actually Sean was supposed to be my guest host or my guest, not co-host, but guest. <laughs> um, to plug his project, hit one of his new projects. Um, uh, but we had to push that back to a later date. Yeah, a month ago. So it's like you're our monthly recurring guest. <laughs> um, but yeah. So we are going to we're going to get into the news for the week and the first bit of news is that the Flash adds Katie Sackoff as a DC Comics villain. Um I sort of wish we have we had Corey on here to explain who this villain is because I do not recognize them at all and I am trying to avoid the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Uh, but Katie Sackhoff is joining the cast in a recurring role. The Battlestar Galactica alum will play DC Comics villain Amunitz Black, a.k.a. Blacksmith, a steely and badass boss of an underground black market for supervillains. So the actress will appear in an episode uh, in episode 405, interestingly titled Girls Night Out, which also serves as a mini, a mini crossover with Eros, uh, Emily Bett Ricard's, I'm curious to see this and figure out who this character is. But um, so I will ask this, Chris, Sean, are you guys watching uh, Flash, Arrow, you know, the CW shows or, you know? Yeah, the whole line of DC shows me and my wife are all over it. That yeah, being said, I'm the, the same, same way. I watch all of them. Nice. Okay. So I'm looking here and yet she's, I'm going to say this, if they get, I, I feel like I would like the costume if they nail a little bit of what this picture shows. And when you go to the DC.wikia webpage and you search Amunet Black of New Earth, but she just because like it would look a little bit too much like oh what the f- fuck's her name um she played uh Supergirl in Smallville and then she was uh like a Brainiac villain in uh in Supergirl like how her character looked in there where she's all blue I could see I could see this being being a good part for Katie Sackhoff I mean and Katie Sackhoff is a badass actress herself so. Like I, I do. I am excited for this. I've been excited. I like how they've been rolling out all this information with the DC shows. So they already gave the fact that they're not. They are doing a big, ginormous cross-platform series between the four shows. But then they're also saying, oh well, there's going to be mini crossovers 
um, between shows and, you know, you'll, you'll get characters popping in each other's shows and stuff like that. I look at this and I honestly, I go that this is going to be, this could be really cool. Um, and also the fact that we got uh, Kevin Smith coming back and directing uh, Supergirl this next season mm. in there. Kevin Smith on anything just has an instant, instant appeal for me because I've loved pretty much everything he's done. Yeah. And Beatmaster is asking the the blasphemic question, which I will give the smart ass answer to. What did Katie Sackhoff do worth seeing since uh, Battlestar Galactica? She did the Big Bang Theory where she talked where she was playing herself after Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Sorry, I had to give the smart ass answer. Well, I was looking on IMDb too because I I recognized hearing the name and yeah. it's like voice actor stuff and single episodes of things and Call of Duty. Yeah, it's it she definitely didn't have one of the the breakout careers, but I mean it's sort of that sort of tends to happen with a lot of sci-fi actors and actresses because you could almost you could honestly say that with a lot of the character a lot of the actors from Battlestar Galactica which I, I will point out right now, I rewatched. which, and okay, she was on Longmire and 24, as I'm looking at the article here, but she, uh, but I was rewatching Portlandia and their episode, one more episode, I didn't realize until looking at the credits that Ronald D. Moore has a cameo in Portlandia, not even play, not even playing himself. He's playing a separate, like a, a local Portland actor in there. And I'm like, oh wait, that's brilliant um but yeah complete aside going totally off book here so yeah i'm excited for this sounds i I think you guys are uh we'll have to see how she plays um maybe she'll be a you know recurring you know like the new malcolm merlin uh for flash uh the next article is one that we talked about this before the show and i will point out that the article with the way it was written did trip me up but patty jenkins is in final negotiations for a historic deal to helm wonder woman 2 this is one of basically to sum up the deals is she in these final negotiations to become the director for for this she's mainly hang, um, holding out to get paid like the big boys would get paid because and as the article pointed out and it took sean like chris and sean both knew what i was talking about it took both of the sean rewording things to put to point out that woman has grossed enough to make it the third the third highest warner brothers grossing film of all time the article says behind only christopher nolan's dark knight series i asked which ones because i was curious to know which ones they were and and actually it beat all of harry potter which i love that you know harry potter got beat by wonder woman um but yeah so right now it's the top three grossing movies from warner brothers are dark knight dark knight rises wonder woman and then you got harry potter and american sniper and then two other dc cinematic universe movies that may or may not have been better or may or may not have been good i look at this and i say okay this is finally hopefully the thing that gets people looking at forget the gender of the of the director but gets looking at their talent you know because now that we've you know that hopefully people have realized hey women can direct great movies we can move past this to where the point I had made of, well, what two movies were it or or, or did gross more than it become a point of, I just want to know what those movies are for, for, you know, if people ask me this later as a trivia thing, Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? What do you think about, you know, the fact that 
Patty Jenkins is going to be getting paid like like the boys. I mean, she did a great job with it, so she definitely deserves it. And I'm a, also a big fan of people having a chance to continue something, a story that they started. Sean, Sean, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree. I mean, she did a fantastic job with Wonder Woman. It was one of the, the best movies that I saw this summer, if not the best. And, you know, I, I guess it's just the way these things have to start with the person at the top. But really, I, I think as far as like the way you're paying women to direct films, was she paid similarly to a man before this that she, you know, a comparable man, if he had been directing Wonder Woman 2? And I don't think she was, you know, and so it really has to be at every level, not just that the top woman is getting paid like the top man. This, you know, everybody down the le- the line needs to be paid similarly to their male counterparts. So, you yeah. know, it's it's great. It's a step. You know, we should celebrate the step, but it's also a long way from from solving the the problem. Oh, definitely. No, yeah, this this is the thing I said during um, when they announced the thirteenth Doctor um, that I said for Who Knew in Review. Okay, yes the female or the doctor is now female but i looked at everything you know like how this is a how that was a smart choice for chris chibnall Hmm. this is that same boat you have you substitute chris chibnall with the executives at warner brothers and patty jenkins is jody whitaker they already know how she works they've seen her success it's a no duh move that's how I look yeah. at both these situations. And, and I'm looking at, and even then you look at before where, you know, at the things that she's directed, I mean, you know, starting out with, you know, the, the big, you know, her big breakout movie with monster and then, you know, directing episode, an episode of arrested development and a couple episodes of entourage. Um, and actually to, in all honesty, not directing a lot of things before, like she's only directed what two seven things before wonder woman that's not and that's over the course of 14 years you know so that's that's a that's a project every two years that she's directed that's phenomenal she's still basically unknown before when this movie came out you know a lot of people would be like oh she did that one movie the one with Charlize theron that didn't she didn't look like herself at all or uh, you know the netflix show the killing and all this stuff now everyone knows her name and i think a lot of people then go went well what is she going to get paid this next minute you know why hasn't why haven't they said because the comic book industry with the movies and stuff they've announced the next day or even before the movie's even released because it was tracking so well we've signed on you know the, the director the writer the actors the producers to two more movies you know or at least to the next movie we hadn't heard that. We still the article doesn't give us a definite that she has officially signed on. She could still back out if she feels like she's not getting the right treatment here from Warner Brothers. So I look at this as saying, yes, we do need to break this barrier down with you know with the women getting paid as much as the men, you know, and, and they look at it strictly on talent. You know, judge it on their talent, not on whether they have a penis. Sort of thing. And also, I do realize the irony of saying that on a panel with three with two other men. <laughs> yeah, but especially a thing like this, where in the end, 
I don't see the director. So honestly, if they do a good job, I don't really care who it is. Yeah, and that, where that is true, but you then you get you do get those directors, your Edgar Wrights, your uh, Quentin Tarantino, who direct such a in a particular style that you could almost pick out their movies like that, or at least I can. You know, I could. Uh, you, uh, yeah, a Coen Brothers movie looks like a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. You know? Um. What's the uh, the fucking hipster? The side director? I'm coming at it from though is I'm not watching it because it's a Coen Brothers movie. I'm watching it because. Yeah. They do something that I like. So if somebody just came along and completely copied everything they did and actually did a good job with it, I'd still watch it and enjoy it just as well. Yeah, it, it's true. And it, for me, like a majority of the time, um, that is the case as well. You know, I'm looking at it at the actors, at the, you know, who, like how the trailer looks. But there's like, there's few directors, Edgar Wright, uh, the dude who directed Royal Tenenbaums. I cannot think of his name. Wes Anderson. That's it. Wes Anderson. I had it before, and as soon as I started talking, it's like blank. Like, uh, and Quentin Tarantino, those are three that I will look at. And actually, Zack Snyder, I'll throw Zack Snyder in there. Those are three directors or four directors that I will look at and go and go based off of their, like, like, and not really based off the trailer, based off of them. Um, and Zack Snyder is on either side, you know, like Zack Snyder, because I, I liked his his work you know I, I didn't see 300 but i like sucker punch i'm that rare person who likes sucker punch i liked I watching like watching punch i've heard a lot of people bash sucker punch and i'm yeah. like eh, i liked sucker it Sucker punch is not going to be critically acclaimed like on any yeah. list of best well, movies to ever watch but it's, it's an enjoyable movie to watch yeah yes. it's not it's not a great movie but it's a fun movie and it's a visually stunning yeah. movie you know, and if you go in watching for that, you'll be fine. If you go in watching for, you know, deep plot and character development, you're going to be very, you know, disappointed. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I look at those four directors and it's like, I know what I'm going to get out of that mo- out of that movie. Now, they, they can surprise me, you know, because everyone can surprise, can surprise you by changing up their styles. But it's more like, I will look at those that way. Everything else, I'm looking at it as, did the trailer surprise me? The other exception is Star Wars because it's Star Wars. Like I have still to see anything on the Last Jedi, and I'm keeping it that way. I'm going to go in crispy clean. You know, going into the Last Jedi. At least that's my hope. Bottom line, I hope Patty Jenkins gets paid. I hope Wonder Woman two is really good. It is. It is slated to come out in 2019. And yeah, this it. I I honestly hope that the DC movies are going to be better. The next story, the final story. December 2019 release, that puts it against Star Wars Episode Nine, does it not? Are are the episode movies still in December? Because I know there was talks of moving the anthology movies to, like, March. The Google rabbit hole has it. Star Wars Episode Nine coming out late May 2019. Oh, they moved them. Okay. All right. Well, then that yeah, doesn't they, really... <laughs> they moved them because of the Han Solo movie. Gotcha. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, that's that's ballsy for Wonder Woman to go up against uh, Star Wars. But if you're going to, you know, of any of the DC properties lately, that's the one. So, but it's a non-issue. Yeah. I will point out as a final thing that, and Beat is making a great point. The issue is more of along the lines of which other female directors can you name? 
that is telling of how the industry operates, which is true because we've named uh, Catherine Bigelow. No, not Catherine Bigelow because she's the producer. Oh, gosh, the actress from or the actress, the director of Zero Dark Thirty and Detroit. Well, Catherine um, Bigelow directed uh, The Hurt Locker, didn't she? And her, like, is it Kath? Okay, it could be Catherine Bigelow, but and I know there are other female directors, um, out there, but it's and it's this is a fact that you know it is like the industry is you know boys club. Yeah, well, and you just have to look at even before Hurt Locker, she was just referred to usually as James Cameron's wife. You know, yeah. so <laughs> I mean that that's telling right there. The um, fact that the, having to think about it like that really proves the point too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. I, I always, I guess it's because I'm, I'm always early to jump on. Okay. Yes. it, sh- You know, yes, they are insert this minority here, you know, or what's, you know, appears to be a minority here. It, it's always more of a, just, I want great things by great people sort of deal. So I, that's how I always look at it. The next story is that Amazon is working on a galaxy quest sequel or TV revival. They hit a roadblock, but it's, it's come back. And the uh, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that writer, actor, comedian Paul Shearer um, has been tapped to pen the script for the Paramount Television produced series. Uh, Shearer will be taking over from the film's original writer Robert Gordon, who was on board to pen the script for the Amazon reboot. Um, basically, this was going this was going to go on what two years ago is when they were talking about this, and or three years ago. Uh, but they're they're talking about doing this, and then it got put on hold after Alan Rickman uh, passed away, and also at the same time. But it it it, it wasn't more like a one caused the other, but it was sort of like both of these things happened at the same time. So maybe it's a sign that we should wait, um, because Tim Allen was still wasn't available because he was still doing Last Man Standing. Well, that got canceled, so now there's talks that this could be possibly coming back. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Because I'm honestly torn. Thoughts on Paul Shearer being the writer or thoughts on this coming back? This coming back. We'll start at this because <laughs> I, I like I like Paul Shearer as, as the writer. Um, the one thing yeah. I, that I, I find funny because I don't know that he actually did write any episodes for the league because it was more improv. And or no, I think he did a couple, but they don't credit him as acting in the league. They credit him for writing episodes of the league, which mm. I'm like, um, he did more acting in that than he did writing episodes. Unless you want to call the like hit the the writing, the quote unquote writing that he did as he improved a lot of the lines. But this is also me nitpicking an article, like I did with <laughs> the last article. But yeah, so I, I have no problem with Paul Shearer. I think he's a funny dude. My worries are more with rebooting galaxy quest why is galaxy quest sacred and and so many other things aren't it's not not so much that it's sacred it's more along the lines of and this could be asked about other other properties is it needed like what could we get from a movie that was you know from a movie from 1999 from when i was 10 to make you guys all feel old about basically about the people who were on a tv show having to then play their roles in real life you know what else is there 
to tell with that story. Now, I'm pretty sure there are, you know, a bunch of different ways you can go after that. But it just, it seems to me like, like, like uh, the TV show Revolution, you know, where that had a one and done series premise. You know, you get, you get one season out of it and then boom, you, you go home. Same thing with How I Met Your Mother. Now, why they dragged that show out for nine fucking seasons, no one knows. Uh, but that was a one season and you're done. You know, it's How I Met Your Mother, not How I, t- how I Gave Half of New York City Chlamydia. But I don't know. That's why I'm more leery on Galaxy Quest being, you know, being re- uh, re- uh, reworked and, you know, made into a TV show. Yeah. I mean, I guess it all boils down to what they're actually going to do with it because you look at so much stuff that's been remade lately and it's there there is no sacred properties anymore everything is basically open for a remake and you know galaxy quest was fun the first time if they do something good with it it could be fun this time uh you know and i i like the paul shear uh addition to this as well uh i have a paul shear story i once uh last summer i was about uh five or six feet away from paul shear for uh, a solid hour because we were at a taping of at midnight and my daughter and I were in the front row and he was the first uh, contestant on that night. So he was like standing like right in front of us. And uh, you know, afterwards nice. he was the only one on the, first of all, he gave, that was the episode where he gave up his spot in the bonus round to the girl, uh, the comedian that was from Brazil because her parents had flown in for the show. Uh, so he gave her his spot in the final, but he was also the only one at the end of the show that like shook hands with, with members of the audience and stuff. So, uh, you know, he seemed, seems like for that hour that I saw him perform that, you know, he seems like a decent guy. So that to me, it just makes it more attractive though. I don't know. It's, it, I, I'm, willing to give it a shot and see what happens you know everything yeah is, is open for remakes nowadays it's so this i guess chris i'll ask you this part because we talked about this before like it seems like either amazon has gotten rid of the pilot season um which i justified it as like that they probably haven't that they've reworked it and have been a little bit more loose with or i, I shouldn't say loose but been a little bit more willing to hear shows out for a pitch to be made two series as opposed to just straight up okay write a pilot and and then you know you know make a pilot and then we'll see what the fans want what do you think about that part of this you know as well as everything else like the fact that they're gonna go that it does sound like it could be it could be going straight to series on amazon i mean it's obviously something they have faith in yeah I mean, my Paul Shear experience is pretty much just his bad movie podcast in the league. From what I know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's written some other things too that I've actually seen and just not paid attention to him writing it. Well, he wrote the Adult Swim show that he starred in. Um, oh, what the fuck is it? NTSF, blah, blah, blah. That one, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I, I can't stay up that late anymore. <laughs> I have to be a responsible adult and wake up in the morning. I just haven't found a way to watch it yet. Galaxy Quest obviously, you know, has a fan base and it's on this list of things that I've been told I need to see that I just haven't gotten to because people keep telling me I need to see more and more things. I always I always say that I would say it this way. If you like Star Wars, if you like Star Trek, if you like the other, you know, the actors who were in there, you know, the William Shatner's, the, you know, the Hayden Christensen's um, you know, the Alan Rickman's, 
of this, you would probably like Galaxy Quest because I gave you the whole. I'm I'm kind of on the same boat with that too. I just haven't gotten around to it for whatever reason. Honestly, because I gave you the premise. I mean, it's you know, basically you take the cast of the Star Trek the original series, and they get abducted by aliens who who think that they are the the people that that they saw in the TV shows. You know, you know, they, they thought the TV shows were documentaries, not yeah scripted dramas and stuff like that and hilarity ensues but yeah all in all honestly i where i'm leery of this it's also because i could see them redoing the movie you know where you know they're at like whether it's you know the same actors and actresses and there are you know the points that like tim allen is a tv material but some of the other people are a little bit you know higher grade you know like sigourney weaver is more you know movie stars i look at this more of a i'm caught i'm cautiously optimistic on this just because of the fact that it doesn't seem i could see this fail but i don't want it to fail i'll put it uh, that's that's the way i'll I'll probably will put it so that is going to do it for the news and i'm going to read a thing about patreon and how you can help us out here by you could be our partners and you can do that by going to gncast.com slash support. And on that page, you will find our, you know, a couple things. You'll find the Amazon affiliate link, but then you'll also find the uh, our Patreon page. That's where you can go and you could give us money, uh, you know, li- like a monthly recurring fee, much like Netflix. But with that, you will get, you will get extra content from some of the people here. You'll get uh, comic book picks from yours truly. Uh, I know Peter Thrawn is working, or Peter Fisher, sorry, is working on a uh, an an app show that's going to be ex- exclusively on Patreon, and I'm pretty sure there are other shows in you know other things in the works there. And the best part about that is you're helping us. You're helping us keep keep the lights on to keep this ball rolling, um, to help pay for the costs of everything. You're, you're partnering with us. You're not giving us money. You're partnering with us because you like our shows because you like what we use what you hear and see here and we want to thank you for that gncast.com slash support all right we are back and it is time for the else views this is the portion of the show where we talk about the movies tv shows video games comic books music uh every other thing that might be on our nerdy little hearts that we want to talk about so Chris, uh, do you got something you want to bring, you want to share with us? So being super last minute guest, I didn't really have time to think about it. But pre-orders for the Super NES Classic did finally actually happen over here. And from what all the crazy Facebook groups were saying, all of it was sold out in anywhere from 10 to 45 seconds. Yes. So full disclosure, I work for Target. Not a sponsor, but just, you know, and I actually had someone call saying, uh, how do we go about pre-ordering? And I'm like, go online? Because we, from what I've heard from the people who have worked there, there has not been a council pre-order thing. Like there are for the games where, and sorry, audio listeners, but you go and you buy a little card thing like I'm holding up here for uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, the uh, Elite Trooper Deluxe Edition. And you know, so I have a copy that will be held for me when this game comes out and they they did that for one of the councils a while back ago but they didn't they don't do that now and i believe they were doing some 
online, but so what? Are, so because I know we talked about this last time when you were on. Um, so I think we'll have you on again when it's actually released. We're gonna have to <laughs> at this rate. Then <laughs> <laughs> would they do the SNES Classic too? <laughs> so here's the thing with me though: it's like I don't care. I have most of the games that I want from this one anyway. It's like there's a Final Fantasy I don't have technically, but I have it on one of the PlayStation re-releases. Um, and I've had emulators since middle school, back when you can get them from this awesome site called Plastic Man that had a little review by every game. So you could actually know what you're getting. It's not just a list and a screenshot. So this is what this is what I'll ask you. And I'll ask Sean this too. Do you care that this is being re that these things are happening that we have the nes classic and the N- the snes classic and then that the there are people who are doing apple math and going well are we going to get the n64 classic next do you does this make you guys care at all about these things care I mean, about getting what they're releasing for myself no like if somebody gave it to me i'd love it if i find it out at the flea market for five bucks yeah i'll grab it because i know i can get it to somebody else and get something that i want what excites me more about it is that you're going to have people just like with the nes classic that go out and you know i've got these games that i'm not really playing that i've been sitting on and here's a nes classic or a super nes classic or whatever and I can have this one thing and not have to swap my games out. So then they go sell their games and I have a chance to buy the real copies. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Sean, Sean, what about you? Cause I mean, you have kids, so, and I'm going to, I'm going to assume like, I, I don't know their exact ages, but I'm going to, I'm going to assume that their first console was probably the N64. Well, no, you got, um, like that was released new for a few of your kids at least no i think the first one they had was a playstation one okay um and then we've pretty much stuck with the playstations all throughout except for one exception now i i had the original nintendo and i had friends that had the n64 and the super nintendo and everything and and, and i i I hope I don't offend Chris too badly here, but I am not an old games guy. They hold my attention for about 20 minutes of nostalgia. So buying these preloaded, you know, with all the games and everything, I wouldn't get much use for them other than as a, a, you know, a paperweight because I'd play them for a little bit and then I'd be done because I don't, I don't do those games really with other than for a little nostalgia. Now, what about your kids on this point? Because um, PlayStation 1, I believe, came out around the same time as as the N64. So you still have, you know, the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo that they didn't really see, you know, cartridges or, you know, any consoles for unless they went over to, you know, like the uncle's house who had all the games and and whatnot. Do, do you think they have any interest in this or... Like, no, no. The no. the only uh, I, I mean, I've got a twenty year old, I've got an eighteen year old, a fourteen year old, and a seven year old. So, you know, the seven year old might, but the old the fourteen year old, he's not going to be impressed with the graphics, and he's going to be, you know, they're they're 
the games they have now are too good to go backwards like that. And yeah. the the 19-year-old uh, or the 18-year-old doesn't, I, I don't think, would really care because he's, you know, playing PlayStation 4 and stuff. And the, Now, the 20-year-old does like the old games because she loves all the Pokemon stuff and everything. But again, she is savvy enough to go and get an emulator and get them that way. So I think a lot of people are, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are doing that. So then who would you guys say that this market is for? It's because for people, already... really, it's for people like my age, you know, I'm, I'm 30 people who had the stuff growing up, their parents went and sold it when they went off to college and left it behind. And this is their way to real quickly build up a collection and have it back. But they either don't want to or don't know how to go get emulators for themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is for the nostalgia buff or the person that wants to, to play old games of a certain type like Pokemon, um, but isn't savvy enough, tech savvy enough to go out and get it on their own through the emulators. But so here's here's the thing that, that you mentioned, Sean. Pokemon. Mm. They haven't released anything that plays the old Pokemon. Because that that was all Game Boy, that was the Game Boy Ed, that Game Boy and then Game Boy Advanced, um, and Game Boy or Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, you know, the on the portable side, not the console side. So, do you think that like the only time this goes to my childhood? I remember playing Pokemon on my grandma's uh, Super Nintendo, but that's because she had the cartridge that you plug it in. And uh, you can put in your game, your Game Boy cartridge, and play it on your TV. I say this mainly because I know, starting now, because it happened today, until this time next year, I'm gonna have to answer the phone and go, "I'm sorry, we don't have the Super Nintendo Classic or, or anything like that." Oh yeah, you're doomed. Yeah, I'm, no way I'm, I'm fucked because I still. I think the last time I got a question asked was like maybe a month, two months ago. We're like, do you guys got this? I'm like, they discontinued that three months ago. There ain't no more. You got to go on to eBay. And even when it came out and there was production hell, I was sitting telling people, emulators, you go to emulators. Archive.org has all the games there. You don't need, you know, actually, I don't think it has the Nintendo ones, but savvy people who like to buy fire sticks can also figure out how to play these games on their computers the legality of it is an, an interesting issue too though like, yes abandoned where you know whether you think it's a legitimate argument or not is you have to admit it's at least an argument back when but, i got yeah. all my, back when i got all my roms and emulators for the old stuff there there was no way to play the games for consoles they'd stopped i mean outside of like Super Mario All-Stars and some small deal re-release packages like that. That's all you had. So, you know, I want to go play Blaster Master. I have to go get the ROM and a regular Nintendo emulator. And now all of a sudden, there's the Wii Virtual Shop, all the other virtual shops there. The fact that you can go out and buy these classic systems with the games on them. Some surprises on there, too, for both of them that show up. Back when I started, the only way I could play them was either emulators or going and buying a used copy. And Nintendo doesn't get a cut of anything if I buy a used copy. Yeah. Also, so the I, virtual I, shop is just horrible because they no, take yeah. prompts that people made for you know the way I was getting them and sell them in the store. 
Yeah, they take the ROMs and they, they then th- uh, slap a cease and desist on the people who made the ROM and then they sell that ROM. Or at least I think that way. I mean, to to tie it to an article that we were going to consider, please don't sue me, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, we're way past that point. I've already encouraged people to go be pirates. <laughs> I, I like to do the crafty, those who, who are smart will get what I am talking about. And we'll know because you're, you're talking to a person who reads 30 to 40 comic books a week, doesn't pay for all of them. Wink. You know, I don't pay for all the comic books I wink I, or I read. I find other ways. Um, some of them straddle that line of legality. You have friends occasion. that share with you. Yes. Yes. I have friends that share with me. So, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do mine because then uh, we're going to sort of get into Sean's uh, else view. The show I'm going to talk about is a British, is a BBC Netflix co-production called White Gold. This is, it's a TV show set in 1983 in Essex, London. And no, it is not a porn documentary there, Be This, it stars Ed Westwick, who a lot of Americans will know him for uh, a gossip girl playing an American. And this show is uh, created by uh, Damon Beasley, who did The Inbetweeners. And so for those of you guys who know The Inbetweeners, it actually starts two of the actors from The Inbetweeners, Joe Thomas and uh, James Buckley. You have this quick dialogue of back and forth um, of snappy comebacks and cut downs um, that is really what made the in-betweeners so popular i gotta say i love this episode this show it is a british show so there's only six episodes um because the british the british tv seasons like to be short and you're following basically you're following ed westwick's character as he's going through he is a con artist in here he's essentially a con artist where he's going around um he plays a character named the character named vince swan um he is the sale head salesman at cachet windows and he is going around trying to make it, trying to make his life the easiest by making the most money. He has a wife who is drop dead gorgeous. Um, he has kids and he has his whole family, yet he's still, you know, he cheats on them. He's he has a relationship with his son's teacher and all that in here, and he, he comes across as he's unapologetic about it. The, the whole show is told through him so you get these not exactly zach morris but that in that vein of the cut cut to camera um frank underwood style you know the stuff is still going but here i'm gonna take a moment and talk to you the viewer about what is going on uh, moments in here all in all this sh- the show is really good i i hope it gets a season two or a series two as they say over in in uh england and it's one of these things that a lot of people don't like it, it i had heard about it before through watching british tv shows forgot about it and then when i saw it on netflix I'm like oh yeah this is done by the by the dude who did the inbetweeners and i love the inbetweeners check it out and then watch this and i'm like all right this is great stuff so check that out on netflix or if you live in the uk on bbc uh bbc2 it is a bbc2 production so it still might be on iplayer um if not it is probably on the British Netflix. So, Sean, yes, sir. you've been watching the Defenders. Have you seen all the Defenders, or I have. Yes, I uh, watched the whole thing. My 
kids and I uh, actually sent messages to each other Friday morning, wishing each other a happy Defenders Day. Um, this was a, <laughs> uh, a big waiting. We, we've we've watched all the series. Truthfully, I've never finished Iron Fist, though I've tried twice. Um, but we enjoyed all the other ones, so uh, we were all really excited for the Defenders. And interestingly enough, I would stop just short of calling this Iron Fist Season 2 only because there's a big Daredevil story in there too. But it definitely seemed like the main two characters, Daredevil and Iron Fist in this, got the most story out of it. I mean, it was basically Iron Fist story with a side story for Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage just kind of played supporting roles. They didn't have a whole lot to do on their own. That said, some of my favorite parts are like when, and you, you might not have gotten to this yet. I know Chris hasn't, so um, hopefully it's not too spoilery, but there are a couple times when Iron Fist and Luke Cage actually come to blows and you've got a guy who can harness his chi and, uh, you know, throw this mega punch. And then you've got the guy who is, you know, bulletproof skin and unbreakable. And they basically start beating the shit out of each other. Um, so it, those were a lot of fun. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, I felt, was a, a little wasted in it. She just, there wasn't enough for her to do. And she kind of got, well, I won't say it. She kind of met an unfortunate end to her run in this show. And it's just, it's not, I just felt like she was kind of wasted there. But I did enjoy it overall. It's fun. It's, you know, anything superhero to me is going to be at least a little bit of fun. And, And this one was, you know, maybe that's what I have a problem with Iron Fist is it's just not fun. This one is, you know, Jessica and Luke meeting up for the first time and uh, since uh, her show and, uh, you know, the different pairings as they went off. There's a lot that Daredevil and Jessica Jones do together. I, I did feel like some of the the cameos, I don't want to call them cameos, but they were like shoehorning in the what I would call the subcast of the other movies like. Uh, Colleen Wing, Misty Knight, Karen and Foggy, you know, and so that like all these secondary characters are showing up and it's like, oh, that's kind of neat to see them, but I really didn't need them in this, you know, this movie, you know, so I just that that part was a little bit like it kind of took me out of it, like they were trying to just say, hey, look who we got back for this. Um, but you know, again, if you like the, you know, most of the Marvel stuff that's out there on Netflix, you're going to like this. You know, I, I think people are going to have fun. So Beats asking the interesting question because I am, I've seen three of the eight episodes. So I, was, I saw the first fight with Luke Cage and Iron Fist mm-hmm. and I liked it. I, I, I liked it. Yeah was eight episodes the right length because i believe the other shows were what 13 13 usually yeah yeah you know eight was the right episode at length for what they were doing if they wanted to go longer i think you know they probably would have had to shift to jessica and luke more 
which might have been a good thing. But no, I think three, eight is fine because then they're going to go back to each doing their own individual shows. And then I'm sure we're going to get a Defender season two, you know, which will showcase the four of them again and hopefully different style, uh, you know, different matchups and everything. But I, I the one other thing that, that kind of threw me was I, I felt like they took a long time getting the gang all together. You know, like I expected yeah. that to happen by the end of the first episode. And I don't think it happened till like three quarters of the way through the third episode. Um, yeah. So I, I, I was saying, cause yeah, because that, that part is a little bit, okay, it's sort of spoiler, but it's not because it was one of the teaser, I believe it was a teaser trailer that they played, uh, you know, to hype everyone up for the Defenders, because yeah. that's where everyone meets is basically that fight that you see in the white room, which again, Netflix does, you know, say what you will about Iron Fist. Netflix, the Netflix Marvel shows have great fight scenes. And it was, this was another one of those, you know, right on par with Daredevil season two with the uh, Daredevil holding off the Punisher while kicking the, the ass of everyone as he's, as they're going downstairs. Sort of deal. Right on par with that. And I'll say, yeah, Iron Fist, it, the season may have been so-so, but the fight scenes, a lot of the fight scenes, especially in the latter half, were great. Oh, you know, see, now least, I disagree with that. At least filmed great. You know, not, yeah. on, par, not on par with a um, Into the Badlands or, you know, a Crouching Target and Dragon, but they all have this fluid to it, in my opinion. Maybe, and, and that may just be that you're you're better at spotting that than I am because I I'm not very well versed in a lot of um, Asian fighting styles like that that would be more fluid. I'm no, I'm, I'm the, talking the, strictly the, on that part with the the camera. You don't see you you don't see the the WWE shaky cam following you know following the punches sort of deal. It's all. Like like almost like slow panning moving, um, you know, like like they're they're a boat, you know, on an ocean. But it only does really that, does ahead. that backfire because you say slow panning motion, and I, that's funny because that's exactly how I felt about the fight scenes in Iron Fist was almost like they were in slow motion compared to the other ones. There's there is that with the beginning with especially with the beginning, but I, I look at it, you know contrast it with. I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, for example, The Walking Dead, where there's going to be mm. more what you would almost consider more traditional, you know, cuts of the <laughs> cuts of the camera to where it's going to be, you know, shorter, you know, like shorter bursts. Like you got Michonne, whoosha, knife, cha, you know, sword, sword swing and stuff like that in these shorter bursts. And then they cut the thing. They cut the movie together, or the, the episode together. Where this, it was more almost like uh, the movie Birdman, where it's these long, you know, one take moments mm. that they're capturing here, as opposed to, all right, cut. Can we get that again? All right, ready, action. Cut. Can we get that again? Sort of deal. You know, like these. Okay, we threw a punch and all right, reset. You know, sort of deal. It was always a longer, you know, like a fight scene closer to a martial arts movie you know closer to a crouching tiger hidden dragon or into the badlands or you know something where they're doing these big martial arts you know demonstrations but just happen to be capturing it on camera 
Yeah, I mean, you, you very well may be right. I just know for me that the fight scenes just weren't as good. I wasn't weren't as fun to watch. You know, I mean, yeah, watching Daredevil fight his way down a hallway. You know, and uh, just some of the other things that they had. I just need to say, but you know, I'm willing to admit that if that's a fighting style and you're familiar with it, then you know maybe it is interesting to you. But it's just not didn't hit it for me. Yeah. No. Fair enough. But, but I would say definitely that the fighting style in this is definitely is more along the Daredevil Jessica Jones side of things than on the uh, the Iron Fist side. Yeah. But yeah so, uh, Chris, I know you haven't seen the Defenders. I watched the oh. first episode today. Okay. So, what are your opinions on the first episode? Well, I mean, I have the super confirmation that my favorite character of them is not Iron Fist. <laughs> we kind of flip around any of the other three. It's the first episode. I mean, I know even before hearing y'all talk about it, I know that they're going to spend some time kind of setting everybody up where they are and yeah. giving them a reason to come together. The fact that Sigourney Weaver's character scares the Chinese lady is kind of an exciting thing because she was kind of the ultimate, you know, I'm in charge of everything over here, lady, before. Yeah. yeah. Um. The other thing I will mention is and because this is one that has been at least for me been a, a uh, throw through throughout all of the movie or all the shows is the opening cinematics i love this the opening cinematic on the music side it's combining all four tv shows theme songs yeah in there in this nice beautiful orchestral way and then you know hitting on the fact that you know with doing like almost like Manhattan, you know, taking these streets and then making, you know, oh, here's Daredevil and here's Luke Cage and here's Iron Fist and here's Jessica Jones. That part to me, I really enjoyed. So at the very least, they're making, you know, Marvel and Netflix know how to make great opening cinematics. (laughs) And you you can't take that away from Iron Fist because that opening cinematic was also good. TV show might have been more meh. I agree. All of them have been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard for me to really say too much about it right now because it's like watching the first third of a movie. Oh, yeah, that's because see, that's the thing, like partially the reason why I've only seen the first three is one, I forgot that it premiered Friday Two, I wanted to get through white gold. And also, I still have yet to finish season three of the Voltron Legendary Defenders. Oh, you really need to get on that. Yeah. And that's one where like. Like, and especially since I only got two episodes left. It is a short like one. Yeah, so you're fine. Yeah. If no one would have told me, I probably would have had the same reaction that I did with uh, with Bob and David, where I'm like, oh, this is four. Wait, this is only four episodes? Where's where's the rest of the fucking season here? Like, yeah. I hadn't started watching Defender Jig because my wife and I want to watch it. Like, we want to watch at least a couple episodes at a time. And mm-hmm. I just knew I would fall asleep, so we didn't start watching it yet. Yeah. So that is going to be it for the else views, and we will be right back for the else words. The galaxy far, far away feels closer now than ever before, and your guides through this galaxy are ready to help. I'm Zach Hagenbusher, one half of the new Jedi Archives podcast with Ben Schultz. Join us every other Tuesday for our experiences with the Star Wars saga from the core films that we know and love. 
well, you know, some of them, to the annals of history and the works that shaped Star Wars into what we know it as today. Just jump in wherever you'd like. Download an episode of the new Jedi Archives today. And we are back, and it is time for the Else Words. This is our, our big discussion topic, and it's sort of a follow-up from last week. The, uh, a few of the Hollywood studios could launch a $30 movie rental service as early as next year. Now, you might be going, well, what's the catch? The catch is you're going to pay $30 for the movie, but it's more of when you would be able to get the movie because right now I believe it's at least 90 days in the theaters before the movie goes to the rental places. And back in the day, it was the Hollywood videos, the blockbusters, and stuff like that. Now it seems like it's more the digital side of things. I'm actually, I think it's more in that. I think it's more in 90 days. But uh, there's the traditional window that they've had that, that the movie theaters have had a tight stranglehold over. But Comcast and Amazon are joining Apple in developing a delivery system for premium video on demand titles. These are the video on demand titles that you see that cost you money and you quote unquote own them. You don't really own them. And but they would be available 30 to 45 days after debuting in theaters. Now, I honestly look at this and I see this as if this goes through, this is the death of movie theaters, movie theater chains in smaller towns. Because I, I look at I look at this at that this way. If this happens, and you know, we had this this, you know, Nate proved this fact last week when we talked about the movie pass story. For thirty dollars you own or you you know or at least you get to rent for a while the movie you don't have to go to the movie theaters that's a lot of people will do that probably over the movie past ten dollars a month thing i don't see how the smaller towns would be able to keep one movie theater in there because there's not going to be competition there's it's gonna that's going to be eliminating competition i don't know what do you guys think about this i'm not paying thirty dollars to watch a movie i know that well because i know a lot of times so I'll put it to you guys because you guys have um, significant others that you would go, you know probably want to take out on a date. So you do, you know, and also depending on where you live, it's going to be close to thirty bucks. So would you rather thirty bucks and you have to go out? She has to get ready. She has to, you know, do all the girly things that she does. You get in the car, you go, and you end up sitting, you know, in front of the the jackasses who want to be on their phone because they didn't pay attention to the M&M's commercial that says, hey, turn off your phone, jackass. As Beatmaster's pointing out, bathroom breaks whenever you want. You can pause the movie. You can rewind it, even. Does, all for the same price. It'd be virtually the same. In a lot of areas, it's going to be virtually the same price. See, I could throw a little wrench in that. Um, at the risk of everybody hunting me down, I live at a place right outside of Charleston, South Carolina called Somerville. So we have a Cinemark Theater by us, which is super cheap. But it's getting movies at the same time as all your Regals and AMCs. So I'm going up there. We saw Ant-Man in 3D for like 12 bucks for the both of us. Yeah. The weekend it came out. That being said, it is the only movie theater in actual Somerville. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people from here don't want to drive down to like Charleston proper and go to the movie theater there because the traffic can get horrible. So like my wife and I, we're fine not paying 30 bucks when we can pay like 12 and but here's but here's the issue with that 
a lot of people because you hit it a lot of people because i'm in a similar situation um where i live in jackson michigan there's you know we have ann arbor and we have lansing that have the imax theaters we have the regular we did have 3d uh for a while but they've sort of they that's died down and it's for about twenty dollars you can get two people into the movies um for a regular picture you add like you know so like 25 bucks or so for 3d and we have the glory of two movie theaters one of them is now actually an amc the other one is a gqt a, a good quality theater or whatever but with yours with you know with your area because there is one movie theater if enough of the people you know to where the chain couldn't couldn't hold it up i could easily see cinemark going well somerville they're really close to charleston so bye we're, we're closing down there goes your only movie theater there goes 12 dollar movie night for you and for you and the missus so Which, then you're... I mean, it's it's definitely something I, I worry about a little bit but everybody that i talk to would still rather go to the theater out yeah. there plus we got this good philly cheesesteak right there so that's a big draw too speaking of philly cheesesteak sean you were going to say something yes thank you um, <laughs> i'm actually I'm actually wearing my Philadelphia Phillies hat right now as we record this. Um, but anyhow, we'll talk cheesesteaks later. Um, you know, the, the thing with the small movies and the movie pass, I actually think that that might help them because the, the movie theater doesn't make money off of the movie tickets. They make no. their money at the concession stand. And if I pay $10 one time a month and I'm, being ta- and I'm going to even four movies – I have more money to spend at the concession stand than I did if I had to buy the tickets individually for each one. Oh yeah. I'm, you know, well under my, well over my $10. So I got my money's worth. The theater does better The You know, I don't understand honestly how this business practice would make money. You know, (laughs) because I, Uh, which, which one, the $30 movie rental or movie pass. The movie pass, a thirty dollars oh, movie yeah. rental. I mean, you're you're getting people to pay for you know gigabytes of information. There's nothing there, so yeah. you know it's that's not a problem. But you know, my understanding with movie pass is that they movie pass is paying the theater for your ticket. So if I pay uh-huh. them ten dollars and then I go and see twenty dollars worth of movies, they lost ten dollars on. And I yeah, think this... the majority of people. It's not like an insurance practice where you're insuring, you know, 10,000 people to cover the 30 people who have accidents. You know, I don't think the majority of people are not going to go see two or more movies, thus costing this movie pass money. Yeah. And because this is the interesting part. And uh, to sum up for people who are coming in new or for Chris, uh, movie pass basically is $10 a month. Two of the movie theaters, it works like a MasterCard. So you go in there, and there are restrictions. You you don't get IMAX or 3D. It's one movie a day. I think you might be limited to seeing the movie one time. Even even if that even if that is the case, you know you look at you know where you know how you and you can get just by your local movie theater chain. They are still getting paid every time, like Sean said. And there are talks of AMC wanting to find legal ways of making it so MoviePass does not work. And I believe, uh, as uh, Beatmaster's putting in here, the studios want to pay less to the middleman. That's sort of getting back to the, 
you know, the uh, premium video on demand service where the uh, theaters take, you know, a, a rough guess. And we'll just say this is a guess. 25% of the admission price goes towards is actually profit for the movie theater. Now, that's probably that could be high. I mean, I don't know. With MoviePass, it seems like, OK, yes, let's do it, because if they looked at the writing on the walls with how MoviePass was originally billed of we'll set it high to be like a gym membership. So, you know, you pay you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month and never use it. But you're like, oh, I swear I'll use this. You know, I'll go to the gym next week. You know, I'll go to the movie theaters next week or, you know, it's where you have to. You have to go see movies every single day to make it feasible for yourself. This way, it sort of seems like it is more of just trying to cut out the movie theaters. It's more Comcast, Amazon, Apple. I'm pretty sure, you know, the other the other companies will, you know, production houses will get behind this of wanting to eliminate having to put it in theaters. And, and Beats also pointed out that the gym membership comparison also comes from you never wanting to cancel your or you just forget about it, so you never cancel your subscription as well. I think it's I also look to get at this people to go see a movie than it is to get them to go to the gym. So I don't. True. I mean, I understand the concept. I just think, you know, people who don't use their gym memberships, there there's a reason that they don't want to go to the gym, and that's because it's work. People who buy into this movie pass are probably going to use it. And the other part, the other part that I look at this because I look at and. Chris and Sean, you guys can probably, because I'm pretty sure you guys live in smaller towns as well. The Big Sick is probably one of the most indie movies to premiere in my town. Well, not not premiere, but to come to my town. Seeing like, like, uh, for example, another movie that I'm interested to see, but probably will have to wait until it comes out on Netflix or on movies is... Uh, the Steve Coogan, Rob Ryden movie, a trip to Sp- or the trip to Spain, and that movie doesn't have it doesn't have a release here in Jackson. I don't know if you guys have it there. I could probably go see it in Ann Arbor, or you know Lansing, or even you know Detroit or whatever. So I feel like that you a lot of people would just be like, oh, it's the same movies if this were to come true, because a lot of the other people would just be like, well, we're just going to do the video on demand thing. You know, a lot of these independent, you know, the Amazon. You know, Amazon will just go, eh, we don't need to do this because, you know, they'll do one day things so they're eligible for Oscars or whatever. But then it's like, eh, we don't need to do this. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Like the whole fact that it, this could hurt the independent movies. I mean, would or, it hurt it though? Because if I can pay 30 bucks to see something that's not going to be coming to my place anyway, that's something that could actually get me to pay for it if I really wanted to see it. Or, well, that's to see it a month after it comes out, yeah. you know, does the New York, New York, LA release where the alternative, like, for example, the director of Thor Ragnarok, his last movie he did, uh, the hunt for wilder people. I didn't get to see in theaters. I saw it. I, I walked by a movie theater in Ann Arbor that was going to, that was playing it later on that week when I wasn't going to be there. And I'm like, Oh, I really want to see this movie. And I'd love to see it in movie theaters. I ended up seeing it, uh, through, you know, through digital services to where, you know, but I ended up just waiting. You know, to where because I think a lot of people who see the indie stuff might go, Oh, I can do 30 days for right now, or $30 for right, like, you know, right now, a month later, or I can do 20 and I have it forever. You know, I have, I watch it whenever for, you know, two months later. You know, the thing for me is Charleston, as much as it likes to call, think of itself as a big city, it's not really a big city. So <laughs> we're never going to get like the New York, LA only release things. 
So if yeah. I was going to catch it around me, either this or waiting for it to be on Netflix is the way I'd have to do it. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems I get where the production companies are coming from, but at the same time, it seems like there has, there has to be a better way that plays nice with everyone. I don't know. I, I feel like it's partially to blame for the, the, huge cities and it's you know because you know you get the new york la releases where they have you know they they got the movies all the movies playing and all that and actually i do think that this beat could be hitting something is you know what's you know what could get people into the movie theaters do we make it better quality do we do ultra high definition on the screens um 5.1 uh surround sound the dolby atmos in more theaters um what what would it take to bring you into into a movie theater but we end up going for most of the things we want to see anyway. Yeah. Because yeah, I will bigger screen and then everything else is a Same bonus on top of that. It's an experience still, yeah. you know, to see it in that way, you know, especially the bigger blockbuster movies. So, I mean, for me, if it's, if it's going to be a big, you know, action type movie or something like that, then yeah, I want to see it on the big screen. If it's going to be, uh, you know, a drama or, you know, something, uh, you know, just some goofy comedy, I'll wait for it to come on DVD or, or on Netflix. But, you know, so to me, it's just the content of the movie. Well, but okay. But even then, so you have, you know, you have your big blockbuster movie and you're going to go see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. You have, and I will give you, cause this is a perfect example. Both of the movie theaters now. Hopefully, since AMC bought the one movie theater, that they changed this because this is something that pisses me off. the The one movie theater they have the projector in in more in the corner and they keystone it, so one end is smaller than the other. That ticks me off. That I will, I I get pulled out of a movie every time I notice that. And I'm like, fuck. Or, or they'll overscan it over to where it's going into the the curtains instead of just all on the screen. That stuff annoys me. Oh god, that sounds horrible. Yes, yeah. I, was just, I don't it's, think I've ever dealt with that. The the other movie theater, which is the one I've been going more er, toward to more, it's like I'll notice like there will be like little screen imperfections on it. Like I saw Kevin in the Woods, and there's a green dot about like three fourths of the way down. And I'm like, the fuck's that green dot doing there? And I'll I'll get back in the movie and like that green or that it's like some little spec thing where I'm like, what the that spec is still there? Should I go tell the manager that hey, there's a spec on their screen? They need to clean their screen or something. Why the fuck is that still there? Someone remove the dots. <laughs> sort of deal. But honestly, I would love if they if they had, you know, the ultra high definition, you know, 5.1, Dolby Atmos, you know, fuck the seats. Fuck the whole, you know, the reclining couch seat thingies. I could care less about that. One, make it to where you, there's a button where you could say, like that just says, people behind me have their phones or are talking. I'll press that shit like, like I'm fucking Caesar. And all that, and just like pff, they come in, get out, <laughs> and stuff like that. But then you have we have all this high quality stuff. Oh, I would go to the theaters all the time, even for the smaller rom coms. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was reading Beats thing, and that would tick me off. Like closing the curtains before the end credit scenes. It's like it's sort of like with the people who leave during those. You're like you just want to go. There's more to the movie. Oh, I just laugh at him at this point. <laughs> well, I did, you don't know yeah, what you're on. If you're going to see those and you don't know, that's that's kind of on you at this point. I've I've actually gotten to the point now where I will I because I, I found at least with the movie theater I go to, it's the way you judge is when they pull the movie light when they pull the turn the lights on. Um, like I didn't stay through, uh, Baby Driver because they turned the lights on. I'm like, all right, cool. The the one I almost didn't do it for was uh the big sick 
because I saw it opening, you know, opening day in, you know, when it came out in my theater and they aired the special, the bigger sick where afterwards. And when I say afterwards, I mean, afterwards, after they play the, the, the previous movie has been rated, rated, has been rated R for the following things. And then they played the extra stuff. Like I almost left after that. I'm like, Oh, I guess they're not going to have anything. I stand up, they start playing. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm in the aisle now. Do I just stand here? Yep. Another guy here. No, let's sit down. Damn, this seat's comfy. I should have sat here to begin with. Fuck. <laughs> Literally, what went through my head as I as that was all happening, and then I'm laughing at the stand up comedy that they're doing that they're showing from the the Big Sick tour. But yeah, so that's where I found out. Wait for the lights. I love the movie theaters. I I hope they don't die out. Honestly, because I mean, I don't. I, I could see the argument of people saying the same thing during Hollywood video and blockbuster days, you know, the movie rental, like, you know, physically going to a building to rent a movie. Like, Oh, I don't want this leave, but this is, it's more, it's different. It is. It has so many opportunities to be, you know, like for dates and to, you know, just to go see the, th- the things now with other people and not have to be crammed in, in a room with them and be like, and then people are talking like, shh, well, it's not proper etiquette. It's not like it's not proper etiquette to not talk. And when you're at a house watching the movie, and, and, you're, and you know you're sitting there, you're like, "Shut the fuck up! This is the best part." I don't know. Call me a know. grumpy I, young man. <laughs> I have a feeling that movie theaters are going to go the way of the drive-in eventually, where there'll be very few of them around because people just have other delivery methods. But you mentioned that there's a drive-in movie theater, probably. 40 minutes and i saw as i was passing it uh, a couple weeks ago i saw they were playing spider-man homecoming I'm like that'd be amazing to see oh, it it driving me that <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that i, I couldn't do that in my car because my radio doesn't work fuck <laughs> chris i want to thank you for coming on again hey not a problem uh just people- stop at the bar on the way home <laughs> where can people find more of your things more of the th- stuff that you do so the main thing I'm working on is my podcast, Play Comics, where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stay to that source material. So far, they're not looking all that good. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And people can find that over at uh, playcomics.com, playcomics. playcomicscast on Twitter, everything else. Awesome. To do better. Awesome, awesome. Um, and uh, so real quickly before we leave uh, you can leave us you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsnerds.com we read all that and reply to it Um, I could say that now (laughs) Um, all subscription options and links can be found under gncasts.com slash subscribe and that's also where, if you search everywhere on the social medias for Galactic Netcasts, that is where you will find our show. Facebook, Twitter, that's where you'll find all the, the you know, the overarching panel stuff. Um, same thing with Elsnerds. We are at Elsnerds on Twitter. Our producers are at Beatmaster80 and Mr. Underscore Fusion. Corey, can, all of his stuff that he helps out with can be found over at Don'tAskComics.com. And my stuff can be found over at that. I am at that Gregor on many of the things and core. Uh, sorry. Alternative Corey, where can people find you? Uh, they can find both of the new shows that I have coming up for this very network at, uh, on Twitter at song stories, pod 
or uh, the X, Exploring the X-Files uh, show at X-Files cast. And a final thing for the live viewers and also possibly listener, listening viewers, I will be on Mind of a Geek this Friday um, with them, and there will be surprises there. Um, I will be talking about Else Nerds and all these different things. Gosh, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. I'm actually a little bit scared. Please help me. Uh, but yeah, go uh, Ink Geek, Inked Geek Studios. Uh, go over there on their Twitch Friday night, 930 Eastern, I believe. The final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else. Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.